Hey, hello, Doug. hello. What is How up? you doing? Not much, brother. I'm humiliated over here, but it feels good. How's everybody doing? We're doing good. Dark's going to be a little bit behind, but uh, we're going to start the show. Uh, okay. Doug, this is Mr. Cozy. Cozy? Mr. Cozy. How How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good. What are you up to? I uh, just sit in my garage, just stack some firewood, uh, and just relax pretty much. Nice. You, yeah, you, you're a garage guy too, huh? Yeah. Yeah, people don't know. They don't, they don't know about garages unless, unless they're hiding <laughs> out in one. Yeah. It's nice it's to be best. I don't have a heat source in my garage, so I'm going to hang out in my car, and plus my Wi-Fi is a little low out there. Whatever you got to do. All right, um, Cozy. Yes, sir. Uh, let's get a little introduction. Uh, give us a little backstory, bio, or any information that you want to divulge, and um, we can start uh, building up from there. Well, uh, <clears throat> so I'm a university student in the southeast. Uh, I've been I'm in my senior year, so I've been going for about four years now. And uh, early on in my junior year is when Doug started uh, started doing his podcast. Or- he has YouTube videos and everything, and uh, really woke me up. I was, you know, I'm already a gun guy and everything like that, but I wasn't prepping. And... Your audio is breaking up. Uh, you might need to get a little bit closer to your Wi-Fi. All right, here, let me try something for you. We we play around with uh, like fucked up signals so much on this. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> anybody that, anybody that's like listening to these is like. Damn it! Get your fucking shit together, guys. Everybody, everybody that talks in here is just like we're all like. I mean, half the time I'm fucking talking through a like a hole. It sounds like I'm talking through a hole in the wall or something. Hey, we hit uh, over a thousand uh, total plays today. Awesome, man! Congrats. Thank it's pro- yeah, it's all it's all Chinese bots. <laughs> oh, I, I assume so. <laughs> Fang Fang is over there listening. Can you guys hear me? All- I, I can I can hear you. You cut out every once in a while, but it might just be the uh, the mic like buffering the audio signal. You know, like at the end of a sentence or whatever. Or I don't know. It's it sounded okay to me. Try try testing something else. Say like a say like a, you know she sells seashells by the seashore or something. She sells seashells by the seashore. Yeah, I got all oh, that. That's, that's clear. That's clear. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> So uh, I don't know how much of that you heard earlier, but uh, basically, I, you know, I'm about 21 uh, going to college and I've been into like guns and outdoorsmen and all that kind of stuff and, you know, fishing and shooting, but still kind of relying on the system and not not really prepared or anything like that. And uh, ever since I started listening to Dugan, I kind of woke up to everything. And I think my brother's relieved because he'd been a prepper for a while. So finally started getting things in order and uh, what really what really drove me to getting prepared is realizing, you know, now that I've got a fiance and everything, you know, it's not just me that I got to take care of, you know, there's a lot more people out there that I got to take care of than just myself. So that's what really got me into, you know, kick my ass into gear, so to say. Yeah. I really, it really changes perspective. Doesn't it? That, that, uh, that shift. I think that's really, I think that's probably the, like the, for most people that, that is like the transition of manhood is when you, is when you, go through a period of uh, 
and and for some people it's like really late in life you know or some people probably never and some people have to do it when they're a child you know but the uh but i think i think that's that's like what you're kind of describing there is uh the transition of manhood when you when you realize that like your life you know all the things you thought were important about yourself for your existence are really minimal you know compared to uh, things that you care about a lot more. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, going, you know, when, when your fiance or at the time girlfriend or something wants something and you go to the store and, you know, chicken's $30 a pound, whatever it was for a little bit there, you know, they've got no toilet paper, no, uh, no cans of food, nothing like that. I mean, that, that's what really woke me up. Cause there's about a period of about a week where everyone first started really freaking out down here in the South. And I guess it was pretty much everywhere at that point. But, uh, there was a period where everyone started freaking out and bought everything. And uh, I think for about a week, we didn't have any. But that's what kind of woke me up is, you know, my supply very much so uh, vulnerable, you could say. Yeah, that um, they <clears throat> I know here. Uh, so I'm in Missouri and the uh, they there were there were people out here in fairly small, I mean, they're, they're subsidized, right? So like, that's the, uh, I think that's kind of a common thread in here in about what I'm, uh, I'm about to describe, but the, uh, there were, you know, uh, I know at least pig farmers were getting like, uh, they weren't notices. They were like, like warnings, like, Hey, you may need to, you know, call your stock, you know? And then I know, I know it was happening for, like several things and I heard, I heard like rumors about it and it was very early on. It was within the first month of like people, you know, news reports of people getting sick and shit and then people being like, who's going to save us. And the CDC was like, we will, here's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and then that came down kind of in parallel with that. And I started hearing about it. And I, I was, I'm glad that it didn't go as bad as uh, it seemed like it was going to go because, uh, I didn't even know. I heard about it from a farmer. I had somebody, I had somebody come out here and they were, um, I was giving them, uh, you know, giving them hay and they were, uh, you know, they were like telling me about it and they were, well, it's really crazy. Like I'm sure everybody around here is, you know, you know, it's like Republican area, you know, but they know that something's like really fucked up. You know what I mean? But I think they're more of like, I think they're more of like, uh, I ain't smart enough to know what's going on here. So, but I'm just going to, kill everybody if i have to <laughs> you know what i mean like kill them all you know like that's kind of how they are out here the uh yeah. they know something's up though and they, and they definitely knew something was up when they were getting like little pamphlets about call, calling their their fucking livestock and they did i know they did it in europe in some places in europe like some of the places in europe that are a little more under the boot like uh Dan, i should have looked up the story i think it's i'm pretty sure it's sweden it's either Sweden or Norway. The, who who has the mink? Who has mink export? What what nation nope. is that? Oh, that's uh, that was Sweden, I do believe. They killed all of their mink. Yeah. Do you know that story? Do you? Because I just uh, glanced over it. Did you read that? Could you could you expand on that a little bit? Um, I can't expand on it uh, right now. Hold on, give me a second. I'll find it for you, gentlemen. Welcome, Dark. Oh, Dark is here. How are you? Hope you're well, sir. You as well, my friend. It was in Denmark. Uh, there was a shock uh, in Denmark when they decided to call all of its mink. Up to 17 million animals 
because of the spread of coronavirus. And it uh, turned out that the the minks could not catch coronavirus, apparently. Yeah, and it was and it was uh, they determined. I don't know if there's like lawsuits going on now or what, but they determined that it was basically like a, you know, it was like a pseudo governmental entity that didn't have coordination with the government, and basically basically imposed its you know like suggestive identity of as like authority on the matter, and then caused like a nationwide calling. And uh, this is, I, I think it's a really good story because it, it exemplifies how like nobody is paying attention to what's going on. And so this is like taking the candy from a baby and uh, like, it's pretty vulnerable, you know, uh, especially when everybody assumes like when nobody's, nobody's, uh, I mean, not, not even, not alone, even like understanding like, what is the, like, what is this entity that's sending me this call order? Who, who is this, you know, cause they can, you know, like the federal reserve isn't federal and they don't have a reserve. And you know, the, the CDC is not the government. It's a private entity. And like people don't know this. They assume that everything's, everything is the government, but it's purposefully uh, designed as a legal entity outside of the government so that it can't have uh, oversight by public access. You know, like that's the, that's the primary reason, even though, even though they'll have consultants and ngos non-government uh, organizations yeah um that they put out there to uh to get them to do their bidding or whoever else is bidding so the government doesn't take the hit or a uh, class action lawsuit against it yeah it was an, it, that's an interesting story though very eye-opening in my opinion i think i, I think that story could open people's eyes i heard a similar thing was happening with uh, cattle here in the u.s a lot of cattle farmers were getting uh, coal orders as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was everything. And then I know the eggs, the the initial egg shortage, that was from uh, um, the, the poly material. Um, so it was at the supply line, but it was something, it was something with like bulk, like somebody changed a giant national bulk order for eggs, for packaging, for like, like a, like a, like a mid, like a mid uh, distributor. So, so there's somebody that was sending, eggs in packaging to all of the grocery stores and they like conveniently change their uh packaging type nationally you know i i don't even know if they switched are there new eggs packages in the store or do they just go back I mean, they might have just put in an order and then pulled it out or something like that and it caused a massive age egg shortage all over the united states I haven't noticed anything. I still see them in styrofoam cartons and uh, cardboard. Yeah, this uh, would have been early. This is like really early when they, this is in the toilet paper panic time. Oh, gotcha. I bet gotcha. Dugan didn't have a, an egg shortage. I did not, no. <laughs> Nor did he have a raccoon Yeah, shortage. no shit. Oh, man. Yeah. I barely got out of there with I was my actually... pants on, guys. I mean, they were <laughs> cleaning house, man. Hey, I got I was listening – I was listening to the raccoons uh, in my neighbor's yard just going at it, screaming and fighting a couple of minutes ago. And if you've never heard raccoons fight, it's it's a scary sound if you don't know what it is. Red fox. <laughs> red fox. Red fox is the scariest. Red fox sounds like. Really? Oh, yeah. Red fox and heat and stuff sounds like uh, women and like children screaming and stuff. Oh my God! That's like whenever, uh, or uh, along the lines of animals, one of the scariest sounds is a freaking armadillo going through the brush because you're shining your flashlight through there, and it sounds like a six hundred pound werewolf stomping through the woods. <laughs> I think the first time, 
the first time I ever heard uh, like red, uh, wolf or a fox. I'm sorry, did I say red wolf? I meant fox. You know, you said okay. red fox. Uh, the first time I ever heard that, I was um, I don't remember what the hell I was doing. I was like way out in the sticks. I, I just never heard it before. You know, I can remember the sound because it was just so. I mean, I I literally called out like into the woods, like, "Hey, buddy, are you okay?" <laughs> like, <laughs> and then and then it you know developed like the sound continued to develop, and I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with this guy?" And I was like, "Listen," I was like, "That is not a person. That is something strange." Hey, well, let me let me take that and and how how similar is that to the conversations we've had about perception? Right. Perception yeah, I mean, motherfucker, man. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and and your and your assumption, your assumption of uh, you know a stimulation through uh, habit and repetition is uh, like another layer of it. Like the perception, the perception can be wrong in and of itself. Like it, like, and I don't just mean like you you make a bad guess. What I mean is that you perceive, and by all account, it's like you know. It's it's correct. Like it's not like you're wrong. You you perceive, and then somebody else at something else. That would be like that would be like angle. That would be like uh, that would be like phenomena that people don't understand. That would be like like contrast. You know, like particularly uh, color contrast and stuff. And that goes into shit like art. You know, like like we we you know a lot of people will, will be perplexed. They'll be like, why does this person like this kind of art or this kind of music? You know. Yeah, well, it's funny because I've been uh, very purposeful um, and I made a commitment to myself that, you know, in situations that, that I may have a, a first impression or, you know, my perception, um, I want to start revisiting things like remove judgment and revisit, like looking through a different lens. And um, I've been finding some interesting things and kind of in that same line, I... Um, I got a new uh, red dot for a little sub gun and uh, for the scorpion. And this was one of the first times that I actually read the uh, owner's manual. I don't think I've read an owner's manual for anything, but you know, <laughs> read it for like a... I use those to start fires. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, I think every single one of them has been thrown away or hoarded. And I bought a little, you know, primary arms T1 micro clone. And uh, those things run like champs. Anyway, so I started reading through it and it said, um, I always looked at red dots and I noticed that it, it appears as a cluster of dots as opposed to a precise crisp dot. And it says, if, if you look through the optic and you see that it's appearing to be a cluster of small dots, uh, then take the optic and in your hand, look through it and turn it 360 degrees and if it stays exactly the same and doesn't, you know, uh, and, you know, doesn't rotate, it, it it stayed as still as ever and was just the most remarkable thing. And I was like, man, I to this day, I thought that, like, my optics were damaged or, you know, and just understanding that it was the way that my eye sees something was pretty remarkable. And I know that was a long explanation, but found it interesting yeah no it's it, you know the first the first red dots like the first uh swedish aim points and shit they were ocular um oh man i was i was reading up on those oculars they don't have any fucking glass on them it's just a fucking right, black it's box just a fiber optic yeah, black box <laughs> so, you, so you hold over your eye you know it's on your gun 
you hold it up to your eye. It's basically like you're just holding a black box up to your eyes. It's like putting on a pirate patch when you shoot and you do both <laughs> eyes open and you use, uh, you know, your brain just figures it out. And that was like, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, uh, like <clears throat> technology, you know, technology development and human understanding of, uh, phenomenon and, uh, things that they find, you know, in this, uh, creation. It's, it's interesting how, like, when you think back on, it's hard to imagine how you could come up with that, you know, be like Aimpoint coming up with a, with like a red dot and like, wow, this is going to be really fast. And then being like, it's a bot, it's a, filled in tube you know you look through this filled filled in tube it's going to block your eyeball you know and then you're shooting great you know it's hard to imagine that you could develop that and then not have the intuition like right away like before you even put a product out to be like okay how do we see through this motherfucker you know but (laughs) that's what happened you know like that's how it works you know yeah that's remarkable so uh mr cozy yes sir how is how is college life? I've watched a uh, couple of videos. I think uh, Liberty Hangouts, a um, um, a lady going around to different college campuses. She's pro Trump, and you know, just seeing how the the leftists are acting, hearing about uh, you know third hand knowledge uh, about indoctrination and how they are uh, poisoning people's minds at the college level and putting them into debt. What what can you say about that? What have you seen with that? I'm kind of curious, seeing as you're you're in that position at this point. Well, uh, one of the things you have to realize is like when people, you know, be it news reporters or YouTubers or, uh, I mean, I mean, even even yourself, if you were to go to a campus, most of the people you would engage would be the the louder ones, right? Like the the small percent that are willing to be as outspoken. What I've found to be uh, I would almost say like more dangerous would be the ones who are not so outspoken. Cause you know, if you, you know what these people are saying, cause they're shouting it in your ear 24 seven, right? Like they're the ones who not, not physically, but like, you know, verbally stand up in class and shout, you know, down with the patriarchy or whatever. Uh, the, the scarier ones are the people who go through a whole business admin course. My, my school has a pretty big uh, business college. They'll go through the whole business college with these extremely socialist ideas and not let on until they get into business. And then they bring those ideas into business. So from what I've seen on campus, it's and, and I go to a liberal arts school. So if anything, it's skewed slightly left. But then again, it's in a pretty Republican town. So it may be skewed slightly right. So it should roughly match up <clears throat> to what most people are experiencing. But uh I've I've met a lot of people who seemed, you know, politically, you could say, like, in the middle, right? Like, basically a fence-sitter. Um, and really get yeah. to talk to them and get to know them. And then it turns out that they're avid socialists. And some of them have turned out to be avidly right-wing, that's for sure. But on a far smaller model than people I've met who are legitimate socialists. I have more of the impression that, for, for young people in particular, that, you know, like the, the, uh, the textbook socialism and communism is so sterile and uh not uh applicable to reality that it they they, you know somebody can have an idea about communism and socialism as an ideal be like eh, that's a little bit much and then just have no idea that they are like you know not (laughs) not constitutional americans but the uh and I also find that it happens on the right too. You know what I mean? Like, like people will think like, they, they, like people focus so much on uh, 
emblem and uh, like visual and soundbite stimulus stimuli that they that they are unable to like quantify what it is their you know their position is, like their their ethic like what the, what their what their outlook is and then they end up just like you see you see what's between like when you when you compare these two to each other you see what's between and it's like it's like practically the same yeah i agree i think a lot of these people unfortunately like a lot of modern christians haven't read their uh manifesto from cover to cover right it's like a lot of modern christians have not fully read the bible to see what it says you know red letter or the whole thing uh and similarly a lot of these people have never read any of the many socialist uh textbooks or manifestos or however you want to say it out there and so they have general idea of what they're supposed to believe in and sometimes you can catch them in in the double thing because you'll read them a quote from someone like Karl marx or uh you know you could read them quotes from anyone, right? But like generally like Karl Marx or the Che Guevara or any, anyone like that. And they'll, and it falsely attribute it to like Donald Trump. And then you let them know that it's someone whose like shirt they're wearing or something. And they'll freak out and tell you that you're lying and everything. My favorite ones, and, my favorite ones are, have you ever seen those videos where like people, I don't even know what they are. I've seen videos on YouTube before that are, I don't know if they're student demonstrators or what, or what it is, but I only saw it briefly. They they were reading uh, like Adolf Hitler quotes that were like cherry picked that were very logical and like uh, like very agreeable to pretty much anybody. And they uh, were like just not attributed to Adolf Hitler. And then they would talk to like socialists and stuff, and they'd be like, you know, I think that's great. <laughs> Have you ever seen those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I I've seen a few of those. And what Cozy was saying kind of reminds me of people picking and choosing at a buffet they see that they see the juiciest or hear the juiciest thing and that's kind of what they stick with whatever the mainstream whatever sounds the best whatever looks like it reflects their ideology um and that's kind of what i see because as you know both of you were saying you know you can say uh adolf hitler quote uh, that sounds logical. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Oh, you know, that was Adolf Hitler, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah. crap. And it further, I think a lot of, go ahead, Dark. Sorry. Um, I, I think a lot of that comes from, you know, the, the meme culture and the culture of like, we are able to get information and decipher it within a matter of seconds, right? As opposed to, uh, I, I think, you know, our generation and, and later, maybe had to gather more information, make more of a sound decision. I mean, when's the last time you heard someone that's, uh, you know, uh, maybe closer to uh, Cozy's uh, age range or generation say, well, let's make a pros and cons list, right? We're, we're looking at a, uh, at a generation and well, and really in all, all over culture that is, you know, meme headline soundbite sentence. And then you make a, you know, decision on something that makes you feel warm and fuzzy because you think that that's supposed to be in your lane and in your, um, you know, your group, your faction or whatever. And it really, it really exposes, uh, you know, to me, when I analyze like what you're saying, which is, which is a very good observation, it really exposes the framework of what's really going on here, which is that, you know, you, you should like, like a human being in their uh, existence, should have ideally a, uh, a, a completely solid understanding of, uh, you know, 
their compass, like their moral compass, their ethical compass. And it shouldn't really matter what stimulation is coming in or out. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And I feel like people, people tend to lean more towards like, what's the right thing? You know what I mean? Not like what's right. You know, they've been, they've been so much. And uh, because of that, they're able to be manipulated so much. And, and because the, you know, ideology is used as the uh, the mechanical process of manipulation as a product, like a package deal. You don't just buy. You can't. You can't just. You can't just. You know, be a separate entity in creation. You have to be. You have to be like involved in some kind of nebulous blob. You know that that is uh, rigid in its in its form in its uh, rule format and stuff, and it makes people. Uh, succumb to things that they don't even agree with merely so they're you know and that's and merely because that's what you know the party says or the 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 ideology says and really it it says more about how these are all entirely flawed in the wrong direction like this entire uh thing that we consider is everything is is like absolutely inadequate for uh what's true and what's right and is uh not going to cut the mustard that's so true. And uh, I think we talked about the truth before, right? And if people aren't seeking the truth. They're, they're seeking what appears true to them. And that's satisfactory. Instant gratification. Um, that's basically what our society is built upon, whether it's knowledge, whether it's your political or sociological understanding um, or just you want to make yourself feel better because you feel like you're jumping on a bandwagon uh, somewhere. Yeah, you feel I, like you're part of something. I absolutely agree on the uh, instant gratification uh, subject because I think my generation was probably the last generation where like at least a portion of our childhood was not in front of a phone you know what i mean because like iphones and things weren't really big or like as widespread until i was about like 10 to 15 so i had a good couple years where i could be outside and playing with friends and stuff before other people started getting phones and not wanting to go out and all that kind of so stuff. so you remember the dewey decimal system in the library exactly yes, that's sir. what i'm talking the- about people need to use the dewey decimal system to be able to to look up their facts man what's a what what's a library Oh my God, you're, you're young, man. You must be a millennial, Doug. <laughs> I, I was, I was born you gotta, tomorrow. You got to drop the R. <laughs> that's a, that's a place where you R. get your it's firewood, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Pure yeah. cellulose. Uh-oh. It goes up, it goes up so quick. <laughs> man, that's <laughs> book burning. That's a good subject to start with. <laughs> Hey, well, you guys burn any good books lately? <laughs> yeah. I don't I, don't I mean we laugh coming with all these with people, you know, with the uh, the left specifically, but I mean it happens to a small extent on the right as well. But especially kids my age in, in university and things like that are are wholly willing to uh, uh destroy facts no matter how much evidence is behind them that disagree with their world. Well view. it's for the for the I mean, greater good, right? It doesn't. It doesn't exactly. matter what the means are. It's the greater good, mm-hmm. and that and that's the ride that power hitches. And what's terrifying is to see that in a university setting, where knowledge is supposed to be, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say like uh, 
turn into like a hero but like, but at the very least you know it, that's your goal in university is to attain some kind of knowledge greater than you could on your own yeah, and to see not destroyed at such a large scale from people in that uh profession you could say is just terrifying it seems that uh you know i mean i i'm trying to think it's really difficult to fit me these days but i can't i can't really imagine something that i could read that i mean i've read a lot of things that i really don't like but uh i just uh, you know i just wouldn't burn anything you know to me to me if, if there was something i mean i don't really get there with the uh i know that there's people that are you know, impassioned by uh, their resistance to some kind of other ideology and they see fit to, you know, something like the equivalent of burning it or banning something or censoring something. To me, I look at it and any kind of truth that you would have as a, a, a way of life should be so powerful and strong and it entirely stands on its own and is able to push over with absolute clarity, uh, like whatever comes up against it. And to me, like uh censoring and uh burning things is a sign of weakness you know like ultimately it's like a sign of it's a sign of flaw that is trying to be covered it's the the wife that you know once doesn't want her husband to look at the hot neighbor you know it's uh it's wanting to remove temptation over fear of you know recognizing the uh the the truth or you know like Hitler and the Gestapo and you know they they all burn books and um, I think they I mean we I think we all know why they did uh, they did that um, cozy I have I have uh, a question for you hello by the way cozy how are you oh hey I'm good how are you doing man good this is dark um, you you mentioned that like your um, the uh, students uh, are kind of split because you're you know kind of in a liberal arts college where it's primarily leftist that you're in a uh, kind of right-leaning conservative republican town tell me about the professors if you had to guess a percentage of you know right versus left professors what, what do you think or or a personality like if you could describe an animated character that is truthfully representative of like the uh broad stroke of like what you should expect in a human being when you're meeting a professor Okay, so this is actually fascinating because I was just thinking about this uh, before we came on today. And so I, I, I'm in Tennessee, uh, just to give you like a rough idea of where I'm at. And so it's Tennessee's historically also been, you know, voted Democrat in like uh, presidential elections and stuff. So we kind of have a split population, but for the most part now we're pretty Republican. And as such, there's a generally larger right wing pool to draw from for uh faculty and program uh at the school i'm going to for chemistry and so surprisingly enough there's actually a large portion of my professors who i've had discussions with and it's funny and scary at the same time because they're actually scared to talk to me about it because i think they dealing with the students that go to the school that i go to they're almost always left wing, and so you kind of have to coax uh, truth discussion out. Yeah, exactly. Truth. You have to coax the truth. But once you do end up having meaningful discussions with them, I think it turns out that a lot higher percentage than you would think. Uh, off, off, just based on my experience in the science department, 
I would say about a third of my professors, if not a half, were right wing. I don't. I, I very... want to interject. I want to interject something, and it may be it may be entirely true that people are, uh, you know, encapsulated by uh, like a party politic or uh, persuasion or whatever. But you got to remember that just for anybody that's listening to this, because I, I like I really want to um, free people of this. So the uh, a, a good way to think about it is that people were around before political parties, you know, and uh, you know, humanity does not require political parties to uh, regenerate, you know, and so the uh, it's a good it's a good chance that someday, you know, if we don't wipe each other out uh, in the immediacy, at some point, there will, you know, we could not have political parties again. So I just you know what I mean, like uh, like. I know that everybody feels like they have to be in a political party, but I believe personally that inside, you know, what a person really is, is like uh, a lot further beyond that, you know, like, like, like far too high for a political party, you know? So that, that's actually something that, that kind of the direction that I wanted to go with this once I got a little more information and, and Doug, you're a perfect, uh, you know, person to kind of share this. Um, y- you've said that uh, the whole political affiliation is um, is you know false. It doesn't even really really exist. What uh, looking at some because some of our listeners are are going to be stuck in that you know uh, right versus left kind of paradigm um, <laughs> stratosphere. Yeah, yeah. H- help someone understand why they don't matter. They don't exist or that. You yeah, know, sure. Sure. Well, for, well, from, you know, just in a, in a sterile sense or like in a, in a analytical sense, the, the, um, well, I mean, if you went from the most basic, like all of your political party origination is through people that are, you know, ha- have designed it. So it's not like an organic thing. It has his a history of design. Um, all of it like purposeful, you know, whiteboard, you know, this is the flavor of this ice cream type of design. And then, uh, you know, beyond that, I mean, there's, there's just so there's, you can look at the Republican party, for example, the Republican party is basically where the democratic party was 20 years ago, or in some cases now, because we're so high velocity, sometimes like 10 years ago, you know, like if you go back and look at the democratic party, you know, and this is in recent history. If you go back, if you go back to, uh, like encompass the entire United States history. You have like, you know, party identification switch where you have Republican and Democratic Party switching. You have, uh, you know, prior to that, you have uh, like other parties. You have periods where, I mean, all the, the, the dichotomy, um, the trap paradigm really started in brutal efficiency with uh, like Teddy Roosevelt, who ran on a, uh, it was a uh, bull moose ticket. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that was and that was entirely tactical. And it's very it's brutal, man. Like if you really analyze that, they pulled that motherfucker Roosevelt out of the fucking closet and knocked the dust off. And they were like, all right, come on, slave, you come up here and run bull moose because we need to get this other idiot Wilson elected. And that's, you know, like that's how they got him. You know, they, they, they wouldn't they projected in their mathematical crunching that they, there was no way in hell that like, you know, they couldn't fucking trick everybody fast enough to get Wilson. So they pull out fucking Teddy Roosevelt 
to uh, to uh, split ticket. Hmm. Something that I've come up with as like an analogy when I've tried to explain to friends about how the system is rigged, because you know a lot of people say it's two sides of the same coin, but that doesn't always appeal to people, right? Uh, just maybe it's being in the southeast or something, but uh, analogy I think is pretty good <clears throat> is a lot of people see it as like you know if you want to look at it from a sports perspective as like you know the Republicans versus the Democrats and it's like you're a spectator in the stands watching these two teams face off in the political arena but what I found just through living experience and reading history and all that kind of stuff is it's not so much the, the Democrat and Republican teams facing off against each other uh, whichever one gets into office, it's facing off against you. Like you're not in the stands, you're in the exactly. team on the field and you're voting which team is going to face off against you in the field. Yeah. You know, one's playing offense and one's playing defense, but they're both playing it against It's more you. like a, it's, it's like a, exactly. it's like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, like when you have two parties running a con game, you know, so you got like one that's like the bystander and one that's the, you know, the actual trigger man. And then you get, you're the mark. It's kind of like that. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, like it's like uh, it's like being honey potted or something. It's like it's like uh, I mean, because because the reality is, it's like you know, the only reason that they require the political party is so that you sacrifice and give away something. You know what I mean? Because if you go to like origin, like logic origin of what a person would want in you know the, the entire, particularly the United States, but this is this holds true everywhere. Particularly in the United States, we only have the government at the at the pleasure of the people. You know, ideally, like in terms of design, in terms of uh, true law, the way that the laws or, you know, what what the design purposes of the United States, the government isn't like this. Uh, it's, it, there's no necessity of dictating what kind of form it takes or, you know, it, it just has restrictions on what it can't, you know, what it cannot do. And then the only the only thing a person, a constituent has to do with the state is like when they're. <laughs> you know, is their own interest. And so the political parties are like a way to, which are, which are highly, uh, an individual interest is highly variable depending on the person, especially now that you have so many immigrants in the United States, like immigrant based populations. I mean, all of us, but the, uh, you know, it's, it's way more uh, diverse now. And so the, there's a lot of different interests, you know, and the, uh, the political party is like, dividing and uh, putting things together that aren't really, that don't really go together to get you to um, sacrifice something. So that every single person is like sacrificing something and they feel like they have to sacrifice something, but not like for a greater good, just like, cause it's a shitty decision. They don't have anything, you know, it's all the, the only decision they can make. They, they can eat shit sandwich a or shit sandwich B, but they got to eat a shit sandwich. I can give you an, ex- I can give you an example, Doug. My neighbor across the street, he is full-blooded, first-generation Cuban. I absolutely love my neighbor. I hang out with him as much as I can, and I'm talking with him, and most people say the reason why, um, you know, Hispanic people, they go for, uh, or the first-gen Hispanic people go for Donald Trump is because of bravado, bravado. No, that's not it. They saw what communism was. They saw what socialism was. And I had a conversation with them saying, you know what, Trump might not be 
uh, socialistic or communistic looking like the other party, but you're still buying into something. He says uh, it's the lesser of two evils is what exactly. he told me. This is this is all he can see. This is what most people can see. The lesser of two evils is to go with Trump. People don't like his personality, but he was getting stuff done. I'm not I'm not standing up for the man or anything else like that. But as a as a show president, I highly say that he's one of the best show presidents we've had. But there's a reason for it. I mean, you know, is to polarize and divide and conquer. Which goes all the way back to what we're see. I just about. don't see. I I just don't. If he was if he was organic and authentic, and he was challenging this, then there would be a lot of merit there. The mm-hmm. fact that the fact that I'm aware that you know these people are all working together, you know, through through intermediary intermediaries, they're not obviously like Trump's not going to be like found like having association, but through his boss is the same boss as the people that are against them. It's all coordinated. And so I don't think that there's a lot of merit personally because there's no challenge. You know what I mean? It's like a rigged game. It's like, you know, it doesn't mean anything to me if it's like, if it's set up, you know, I mean, obviously then you have the the logical extension as, okay, so what's the intent of this? Right. But in terms of just the, the, you know, analysis of it, it's not a, uh, you know, it's cowardly. It's not a, uh, there is no gut there. There's no guts at all. It's just, it's just a determined outcome, no chance, no underdog, you know, just giving, giving, telling everybody that Hillary Clinton needs to go to prison and then not making good on it. <laughs> telling everybody that, you know, fucking <laughs> everybody's watching in the United States, what like learns about a fucking international sex trafficking rink at, at the highest levels and multiple different fucking channels involving multiple different people and instances on the East coast. And none of them go to fucking jail. You know, like, it's just, I mean, it's just fucking yeah. crazy. I, I was reading the, the, uh, it's, the Claire Brothman thing. That's, that'd be for the, that'd be like your West coast, um, equivalent. She got, she got like sentenced in the, the fucking paper that ran the story on it, put a uh, quote in there from the judge. And it was just like a, I mean, the writing's just, oh, you, you got to read in between the line. You really don't have to read between the lines. Cause they just, they pretty much say like, okay, you're getting convicted now. Um, you know, I think this really isn't your fault, you know? And then, and then it's like, uh, in between the lines, you're like, okay, she's getting out really soon, but she's not really going to do that much. You know, <laughs> like the judge was apologizing yeah. for her basically, and she's running a fucking sex trafficking ring. You know, it's just fucking crazy. Brofman, if that's one thing I was I... just going to give background, uh, Brofman, uh, uh, for anybody that's, that's listening, yeah. Brofman, the Brofman family is the, uh, Seagram Seven, they have a uh, large shares of Coca Cola, but they do like Crown Royal, Seagram Seven, yada yada. Uh, Brofman Senior, the the like the big dog of the family, he's deceased, I believe, but he is he is like uh, he was on the World Jewish Conference, and then he was responsible for bringing the um, Jews out of uh, USSR in a massive wave uh, into Israel. Ooh. Um, one thing I was going to say is, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but uh, one thing I've tried to explain to a lot of people when they're talking about these uh, human trafficking and you know child trafficking pedophilia rings, I said, isn't it funny how the RNC and the DNC, when they're going you know state to state, how these you know human trafficking and child trafficking rings follow? It, it's very very weird, but nobody puts two and two together. 
And I, I'm pretty sure you can see the writings on the wall, but nobody's going to say Nobody's willing to say anything I, out loud. Well, just like uh, Dugan took the, um, you know, map of uh, DSA locations and then a map of the riots. I bet if we uh, did the same thing with, uh, you know, missing 15 year old girls and uh, <laughs> um, RNC, uh, DNC, um, I bet it would the layover would look very, very similar. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that. I mean, th- this is this is truly disgusting. Cozy, what do what do young beings. people know about that stuff? Is that like in universities and shit? Is that just like fucking taboo as fuck? Like no talking about all the people that are getting arrested and then fucking getting out of jail for running international sex trafficking rings. So what's what's weird about that is a lot of my uh, classmates have talked about how Biden and uh, like they're when okay when the right wingers bring up you know oh Biden's a pedophile look at him you know smelling the air and all this kind of stuff they they don't say that's disgusting we should find something else they say yeah right, right. Trump did no, it oh you got it all so, the money yeah exactly so what they're saying is is basically we don't care that our guy did it because your guy does it and it's just something that's going to happen we're going to deal with it instead of how do we get these either you know it's going to get this podcast banned but how do we get these sickos to go away forever you know what i mean like how, like they're not looking at the the problem with a solution they're saying okay how do we use this yeah problem and that's to get our guy that's in? i mean yep. that is the that is the exact uh spear point of why there's a party system like what what you just described in the flesh is the is the reason because you have to it's it's so that you it's so that you sacrifice something it's so that you give up something and not that that isn't just like you know i'm gonna give up a little bit of taxes or give up some kind of right it's your ethic it's your ability to say no it's your ability to say this is fucking nothing that i ever want to be a part of and i would fucking fight you to the death to stop it if i could you know like they don't give you the option. There's no political party that's like that. It's just like you can vote for this child rapist or this child rapist. You can't you can't shoot him in the head. Like we don't have that option. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, that's not in our menu. You'll have to go go back to that's press zero. Go back to the main menu. You know, like that's they, it's not it's not an option. And this is this is the this is the coupon liberty that uh, I talk about, where you know people think of their rights as something that has to be uh, redeemed. Like you have to go and fucking bring it to the ticket booth and be like, I've got one double supersized freedom. May I have that? And they're like, uh, let me check our inventory. And they're like, Nope, you get raped. You get raped, sir. You know, and they're like, fuck. All right. Maybe next time I'll go buy another ticket. Like, no, you're just going to keep fucking flushing it down the drain. The entire, the, the critical point And, and in my opinion, the error because there are the constitution is not perfect. Some of the error is that they pussyfoot around what they're really trying to do. They pussyfoot around talking about King George. They they specify King George. They don't talk about who what King George is or the monarchy. They don't. Uh, they they also don't. They also don't emphasize the the. It's very government focused, and it's not. You know, like when people nowadays when they read the when they read the constitution, the wording in there is such that it only is logical on the assumption that like you are the actor, like you, you have the fucking country, like you're the people. And then you're just dictating stuff to your government. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're enslaved. Uh, 
you're in possession of the nation and you have the dictation and this is what the declaration is and shit like that. And so, but people, when they read it, it's almost like there's just this ghost that used to exist that like, you know, they, they take for granted is still there and it's not them. They're like, well, yeah, we used to have these badass heroes that fucking did everything right and always did what they said and, you know, tried to do their best and, uh, you know, would fight to the death, uh, you know, to do what was right. And, uh, you know, we used to have them, and uh, I'm sure they're still around somewhere. They're probably in the, you know, seals over in fucking Djibouti killing terrorists or whatever. But it's not me. It's not me. But it's hey, not I've me, right? Like, I, I'm not. That's not me. Who, who these badasses are, that's not me. Well, the Constitution is written. That's everybody. That's everybody. Like, everybody had to, you know, participate mm-hmm. in some way or another. And it's... Uh, this all comes back to what what you were saying. We gave away our uh, our independence for convenience. Really? You said this multiple but times, but it's, Dugan. It's and not even convenience. I, That's the I, whole trick. It's it's a convenience because you're told that it's a convenience. But the reality is, it's a false it's sense a of false convenience. Sense. What it really is, what it really is, I I can see it in fucking everybody's eyes. And no matter who you are, no matter how much money you have, it's just like Sean Puffy Combs, more money, more problems, right? Like. Everybody, regardless of your economics, you know, tier or whatever you want to call it, is just like jumping from one fucking emergency to the next. Whether it's just a dude that like works a day job and is like spilling fucking hot coffee in his car and like getting stuck in traffic and trying to like get to work on time and like all this shit. It's just an assembly line of slavery that is hit that that is subdued within the framework of like you can buy this shitty thing or this shitty thing, you know welcome to the welcome to the circus and it's it's hidden within that but the reality is that no one is satisfied and that is the reason that you know there's such a extreme drive of uh creation that pours out of people all the time you know through like music and art as it comes up now right now we're kind of in a dry spell right now because people are demoralized but when they get really demoralized we'll see some more of that popping up and that's where it comes from it's like the the even if they don't cognitively understand that they're uh, totally in you know the situation is completely inadequate they're not they, they've been robbed of their sound judgment and righteousness enough to be able to feel like you know I, I guess to clarify right like we've all made a terrible terrible mistake here and every single person has made uh numerous personal mistakes and we've made huge mistakes as a nation there is no possible way to ever move in any direction unless we fully comprehend and accept the accountability for like what we've done wrong. You know, like until, until we, until we quit trying to say like, yeah, they did that to me. Yeah. This situation is shitty on me. I got robbed here, but it's like, you know, did you really get robbed or did you just fucking like, did you just fucking open your children? Did you put your baby Roll outside unguarded for fucking hyenas? Like what, you know, what, what really happened here? You know? And, uh, that's, that's like the, the, the kind of the decisive catharsis of society. And if they go the way of, you know, the entire history is going the way of like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like we're great. And, uh, everything else is bad. And so we're going to take this system that we know is good because we're fine. And, you know, we just got the short end of the stick and we're just going to, brute force it forward and then it just ends in disaster absolute disaster i agree um all right 
I would like to change the subject up a little bit. Um, I want to throw this on Mr. Cozy. Mr. Cozy, me and him have been uh, chatting here and there uh, over the past couple of days. And I asked him if uh, he wanted to come up with any topics that he wanted to bring up or any questions he wanted to ask. Uh, at the end of the podcast, I want to get into something that he brought up that I really want to dig into, and that's the uh, the homesteading and the prepping and getting ready and finding his own independence. I really want to bring that up at the end. But uh, do you have any points that you want to bring up? Um, <clears throat> well, I was going to ask – I wanted to get a feel from you all. Like, uh, I don't know how close you are to, like, the local, you know, like a, a tech – or uh, you know, local college or a technical institute or something like that. But do you know any like local uh, universities? Because I've I've got a topic that'll kind of go off of nationwide. I was just wondering before I get into that if y'all have seen anything, you know, regarding those students locally to you. I I have a couple of uh, community colleges by me, and about forty five minutes uh, in a couple different directions. I have. Uh, decent sized universities, but I kind of stay as a homebody and uh, try to do there what I are, can uh, in my some area. Ducks, uh, over here, down the down the road, they're white. The, <laughs> the, uh, I don't know. <laughs> the Lord made them that way. I don't know. <laughs> I have uh, I have some colleges. I have a couple. Uh, uh, community colleges, and uh, I have a massive amount of data center, centers and federal buildings, um, which are likely just FEMA camps filled with. Yeah, you're in the thick of it, aren't you, Dark? What but, yeah, can you tell uh, us your classified location? Yeah, my class. Okay, it. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> okay, I thought you were breaking up for real, though. <laughs> So I am um, oh. outside of Washington D.C. Well, so there's a. Can I can I give a little bit of background on this because Dugan? The, so I want to talk about how Dugan Ashley has changed my life. No, um, all joking aside, um, I was right outside of the city and I was right in the thick of it, and I spent more than a decade of my, you know, three decade ish long life. Um, you know, chasing the, the bullshit that we all talk about, the money, the positions, the, this, that stuck in ego and pride. And, um, even though I was a prepper and, you know, uh, relatively disciplined, um, I dedicated the majority of my life to money and to, you know, positional bullshit that meant nothing. And part of it I'm grateful for because, um, I was able to use those resources against, you know, the, the enemy to prepare. But once, uh, last year I started, um, you know, listening to, uh, to the message and, uh, kind of opening my eyes and just studying more so the past couple hundred years. But, uh, I finally said, fuck it. And I got away from the city, moved much further out to a completely two counties over uh these are the two richest in between the two richest counties in in the world um to probably dox myself but whatever um and um i am much further out completely out of a uh 
in a very highly densely populated area to a much smaller area. Uh, I, I couldn't just go grab a plot of land. Dark, just of the dark. Cost of it do you ever do you ever nuts. go like but, trash collecting in those rich counties? You ever done that? Oh my god, I would I love have, to. I have driven around to uh, affluent neighborhoods like you know, 1.2 million and up and the shit that they leave on their curbs. That's the uh, only thing I'm jealous more of. Expensive than, uh, let's just say I got a, I got a really <laughs> nice, uh, grill. Uh, I got a really nice fire pit. I got a really nice, uh, you know, um, but I'd really like to go, uh, dumpster diving at those buildings that I mentioned earlier. Um, that's what I. I'll be out there. It'll won't even be. Things. It'll be like a shitty neighborhood, and they've got some kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a fucking printer out there or something like that. And I'll be out there with like a fucking high psi, you know, caddy tank with like a air drill, just like fucking, just like disassembling. It. Like, oh, look at that. That's a that's a fucking stepper motor right there, baby. And throw it. Yeah, put it in my cargo pocket. Look shit. at that motor. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I live in I live in a rural area where if you throw out copper pipe, um, yeah, that is oh, yeah. gone the minute it hits the grass. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, whether you're scrapping it or making your whether you're scrapping it or making your own still, which I doubt they're making a still for water, but uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, any any precious metals or stuff like that. Uh, my neighbor just threw out one of those uh, big, expensive stand-up uh, heaters. You know the ones that you see at like the nice dining, oh, outdoor dining nice. establishments. I want one. Toss of that out, and I know how to fix those things. So I, I have a beautiful one sitting. I by wish the side sometimes of my I just want right to. It seems like you could like uh, <laughs> have. I don't know. I wish you could just like have a conversation with them and just get them to give up more stuff. Just like, like just. Just empty out all the all the really uh, useful yeah. shit that I could use. Just just dump it out there, and we don't need. I mean, it's old. Yeah, I noticed this was on your. <laughs> Would you mind if I walked through your home with you, Doug? Hey, Doug, you just got to knock yeah. on their door, be like, "Hey, you know what your neighbor has?" And you peek through. You peek through the door. They have a ninety-inch. I just TV. I just have a oh, series a series of curb, uh, right? twenty twenty <laughs> fourth quarter catalogs that I'm just like flipping through, and I'm like, you know, you don't have to be so dated. <laughs> You know what the Clinton? Hey, hey, the Clintons have this bed sheet right here. <laughs> well, so just to give kind of a, um, a you know tie up to what I was saying is that uh, I I was uh, right near the city, uh, Washington D.C. in in Virginia, but right near the city um, in a very very highly densely populated area, literally right in between CIA, uh, ATF, uh, uh, not the uh, I'm sorry. Um, not like the, you know, NFA branch area that's in West Virginia, but uh, like every single agency is out here. Everyone is government. They walk around with their on their forehead, their, you know, slave badges. It, yeah, right. <laughs> like um, and it took me to like over the last year of understanding, you know, where we are. because I always knew that, you know the rule of law will collapse within my lifetime. I just didn't know why, for what, and, and when. And, um, you know, now I'm in a, in a much different area, but I, I'm not at a point where I can homestead. I'm not at a point where, like, I am still storing, in the townhome, I am storing water. 
I'm storing food. I like I'm literally treating my water with bleach so I can, you know, store it effectively. And uh, that that's not the situation that I want to be in. Am I better off? Absolutely. I did an ammo inventory. I'm getting my caches set up after our last conversation, you know, different loadouts. But I, I would encourage anyone that is listening to find small changes that you can make. You don't have to grab your entire family and up and move, you know, all the miles that we did. Um, but find small changes that you can make to your life, small additions, and just find a way to prepare to the best of your ability because it's going to make an impact, even if the impact is just on your, your mindset add to that? And, and you psychologically. So the, the, you know what, what he's saying is yeah, really he's... important about, uh, you know, like, you know, in the, in the experience, like uh, uh, image in the mind is entirely different than experience, both in its um, perception, like its perceptual quality, which is always much more, uh, like poignant and sharp in reality than like what you think ahead of time. But, but also in its, uh, you know, in its uh, like difficulty, like the struggle of going through, like it's really easy to do something in your mind. And it's a lot more challenging when you start burning calories to do it, you know, and uh, involving time, right? Like the time, time is not a part of your like uh, mental image of uh, some kind of task. I mean, yeah, you can approximate and things like that, but it just, it's not the same now. And that, and that, you know, that really goes into like you were talking about how you knew that society you were going to see you were going to see a degradation of society and a degradation of uh, you know status quo law. Well, you know, you can you, what it means that you can see that now. That means that now, yeah. like 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 now that you can see that that is happening. When you see it, it's so much different than what you imagined. You know, like it's so much slower. It's so much more uh, intimate and. Uh, like a grind like that is every second, every minute, every day, 24 seven does not stop, does not close doors. It's just like a continuous degradation that requires that slow buildup so that it's thorough, you know, so that it can actualize. It's not an overnight thing, you know, the, uh, when you're, you know, and like prepping has a very, yeah. uh, packaged image in the mind of like, you know, I need to get products so that I can prep. It's not products and it's not, I, for that reason alone, I don't, I like, I, yeah. I almost don't like the word prepping because it obfuscates, it makes it a special instance, right? But what we're really talking about here is what. Well, it's because, sorry, just really quickly on that same point, and you can run with it, it's because that this world of consumption that we are living in, the, the, these companies exactly. have even taken exactly. prepping no, you're, you're and commercialized it. Sorry, continue. It should be it shouldn't be prepping. It should be storing, just like we used it's to not, store for the winter. Uh, yes, yes, past, but it's not even storing. It's just the right way to live that you will see fit, right? Like it's it's just life. It's just it's just Correct. real, true life. Truth. It's truth. You you know, like what the the disconnect. Yep. The thing that makes it so hard in the transition of this, and why it's so monumental. Because that's the level of your liberty that's been stolen from, like intergenerationally, you have become a state in, a, in an entire state of dependence, and so things like prepping come about. But it's not, it's not prepping. It's just, it's just what you do. Because everybody, if you if you use the word prepping, everybody has a different 
standard of prepping. You know, every family and individual is different. It's what they see fit to do, right? And by 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 their own will, by their own actions and uh, and uh, commitment to that effort. And it's not it's not standardized at all. And it's it, because it's different from everybody. For everybody, it's what they see to live. It's the way they live. Yep. Doug, I will say prepping in Florida is a lot different. You know how everybody hears about hurricanes hitting Florida and everybody's like, oh, you're not scared in Florida. If you're a true Floridian, you buy beer, beer and alcohol sells out before water. Like literally. Yeah, I went through that last last one. Have you been through a hurricane? Uh. yeah, yeah. You I saw. What I mean, was lumber, sold out? lumber was sold Beer out. Like and liquor, lumber, um, <laughs> plywood, uh, fuel. Fuel was sold out. And Water that. was sold out. Oh yeah, fuel sucks during hurricane time. But okay, so which brings me up to Mr. Cozy. Uh, you mentioned that you um, you started prepping. You started realizing that life is not about you and you have a fiance to provide for and others to provide for. Um, what, what have you done to prep? How have you been able to prep as a, uh, a broke college kid from every time I hear anybody talking about they're in college, it's always I'm broke college kid. You know, that's the key word. So it really started off. Uh, something that's interesting for me is I, I have kind of a duality situation where on the one hand, I'm living independently with my fiance, and you know we, we don't have a, a wonderful income or anything like that by any means. So we're definitely living on a budget. And on the other hand, my parents are pretty well off, and so you know they they can do things on a larger scale than I can do. Um, so the first thing I the first thing I really did was, uh, and I hate to admit this, but we were talking about it, so I might as well I might as well talk about it. Um, and I, I feel like this definitely goes for kids in college because most of the kids who are going to college are, are, you know, living in the city. There's very few colleges, you know, out in the boonies. Um, and so the first thing they'll do is go on to YouTube or Google and, and search up, you know, uh, uh, how to prepare or how to, how to be a prepper, how to, you know, some basic how-to guide. Most of the time what you'll find is people saying like, you know, the top 10 things to buy for the apocalypse the top 10 things to buy for shit hits the fan the top 10 yep right it's always you're talking about consumerist american i think that's a, definitely a symptom of that and so people end up filling their closets with yeah and they're never use the nor do they know how to use so much more important and, they only, and so it, the only knowledge that you can get it's not like you can learn it from some expert it's that you have to you have to try and fail that's the only way that you'll get knowledge yeah experience exactly so the first thing i did was i went and bought a bunch of water you know we've, we've got food i had some rice and things stored up when covid first reached america and uh so i wasn't too worried on the food end of things but with water living in an apartment and you know i'm completely beholden to what my city water bill or my city water supplier says mm-hmm. right you know if they say no water then i'm fucked so the first I did was buy a couple of the, you know, those 24 and like 30. I bought a bunch of those and just stuck them in the closet. I was like, you know, we're not touching these. And I think one or two times they get to them because 
we had run out of water bottles in the refrigerator, but I immediately replaced them. Uh, and then I realized, you know, well, this is great, but, you know, I'm still reliant on the system because when these run out, I'm going to need to buy more. And that means I'm assuming that there's still going to be grocery stores and stuff. And so I, I felt like I needed to go a little deeper than just, you know, buy. And that's roughly around the time when I found everything. And uh, when my family first moved to the United States, we had a, a 11 acre property out in the boonies in Tennessee. And it was completely undeveloped, basically. It's just like the driveway and the house and then some woods surrounding it. And uh, so that, that is where I'm saying is kind of where I'm blessed because I'm living a duality of this poor college student life. And then also I've got 11 acres that I can do anything I want with. But I'll stick more to the college student thing. We can talk about the 11 acres later if we get, get to it. But uh, I thought, you know. I think both are really important. That gives a great perspective uh and the and what's really what's really uh types of listeners i guess what's uh tragic about it is that you have to remember that at one time everyone in the united states that was living here you know practically you know of course not every person right but anybody anybody that was here um like in its colonization period was uh only able to do so by finding a you know like making a place and and having like that farm that family farm that you're talking about and they were valued like utmost and it really took some uh like uh swindling and negotiation to pull to to pull that out you know they really had to bend the stick back and forth to do that and it took a long time and now we're at a place where you know i mean people don't have children people don't people don't uh know their families people are uh completely separate in their they don't own anything, you know, they don't have, they don't, they don't have the ability, like maybe somebody wants to, maybe somebody wants to be uh, independent and uh, live for themselves, but they, you know, they, they can't even do it because there is no, there's no land, you know, like everything is regulated. There's no, you know, they feel like there's uh, no escape from it. You know, where would they go if they're in a city and they've never been out, you know, in, in the land, then they look at it and they go like, well, I can be at this parking lot with these rules or this parking lot with these rules and that's all i've got you know absolutely shit sandwich a or shit sandwich b exactly i think a lot of my a lot of the people in the city that i've talked everything a lot of friends uh they they are completely unwilling to see the writing on the wall that america well a that america's dead a lot of them don't think so and b they're also afraid to admit you know, what's obvious to people like us. And that's that, you know, shit's coming down. We can all hear it. We can see it. We can smell it. And everyone else is just, you know, covering everything they can to not have any kind of indication of what's coming. Cause they think, you know, if I can't see it, smell it or taste it, it's not coming. Right. But they're so beholden to the system, you know, someone living on the 20th floor in a major city is living a completely different life. Uh, in terms of like dependency than someone who's got their own water. Right. And it's something so basic, you know, just having water, you could just set a, you know, a five gallon bucket outside and have your own water. Right. And obviously that's a very primitive system, but I'm saying at, at the very least, that means that if someone goes and that's shuts exactly the right. tap tomorrow, exactly right. you'll and have something to fastest. drink for the next week. Something right. Goes the fastest. Living. In the... Exactly. Cause I mean, there's been times here uh, in the neighborhood that I live in where, they were doing, uh, I don't know if it was maintenance or repaving a road or something, but they busted a water line and a lot of my neighbors are elderly and they did not have water for, I think it was about three days before they actually got the water. 
And so, you know, I was, uh, this is a case where like that duality comes in. I could just move in with my parents because they live 30 minutes away in the sticks. But I know other people here, like I said, those elderly people, they either had to get someone, uh, you know, to come and like basically empty their toilets manually, or they were moving to retirement homes or hotels for like a week. And when you're living on uh, the low amount of income that's common in this neighborhood, that's not something that you can just do lightly. You know what I mean? It's not like you're going to a Ritz-Carlton or something. You're going to a downtrodden motel in the bad part of town. You, yeah, you know, you, Roach you, motel you really brought up something in our mind. Exactly. The, uh, the reality is, what's amazing about it, like, you know, so somebody, somebody living in, like, New York City, right? It's, I mean, it has, it's surrounded by water. If you're, yeah. if you're like, on the land in the city, it, it's, you know, it's obviously one of the most, uh, you know, repeatedly developed concentrated uh urbanite areas you know in the world the the reality of it is it's a desert you know so like if you if you didn't have the systems pumping water if something went you know if something if something wasn't the way that holds the things together then you know like you, you can't access the water in the pipes you know like you you don't know how to pound through concrete and uh, like access an eight inch main to just like get water that's in a pipe. And then what you have is like gutter water from rain that goes off the buildings. And even that it's like, imagine uh, how difficult it would be. Number one, for all those people to even access it. Like even if, even if you were desperate enough and thirsty enough to go down there and collect the rainwater, like in the street or whatever, it's like, would you practically even know how to do it? Number one, if, if you did, if you were able to get it, would you be out competed by the density of people? Like, is there enough rainfall for that concentration of people to where you can even get a bucket mm-hmm. from like what's on the ground. And then further than that, it's like, once you get it, they don't have any idea how to process it. They don't know what's, you know, it's like they were, they would require a, a product in a, in a, a FEMA yeah. Uh, yeah. PDF, you know, and they would require, and they, and, and they're surrounded by water. They could, they could desalinate all that water and use all that water. They don't, they're not going to know how to do that. It's just, it's just amazing. But where, where it start before they did that, that was in a completely lush land, you know, like that was a fertile self-providing place where people could live yep. and they just built on top of it, built on top of it. And now it's a desert. Dugan, let me throw this out there. Let me put out a tidbit of information to people. Um, if everybody listening, um, just like our, our guest Cozy's talking about, he knew he needed water first off before anything else. And like you said, you know, what are you going to do? Dig up uh, and, you know, pick into an, uh, an eight inch water main. It could be a sewer main, you name it. You have to boil water once it's boiling and leave it boiling for at least one minute to be able to consider it to be safeable for, uh, or safe uh, to be drinkable. Um, one thing that you can do is you can look into making very rudimentary pot stills and you can go to your hardware store and for under $40, you can be able to make a pot still where you can end up making your own distilled water from, uh, very simply. Um, and you can also make a very rudimentary alcohol uh, where the head on it you can use for antiseptic and cleaning and sanitization purposes, and the heart and some of the tails you yeah, can use yeah, for drinking and trading if it came down to that point. Yeah, but you have the knowledge and information for that, right? 
most of the people that need this information are yeah know, so so there's still so so like in the, in the basic like in, with water right. with water and water's is the most fascinating element of all elements it it's crazy there's i mean you you have like uh, uh deuterium um tritium which are just isotopes meaning that they're different forms of uh like the hy- same hydrogen that's in like water the uh like heavy water is used for like nuclear stuff. So it's just like this fascinating um, multi, multi faceted uh, element. And there's, you know, like people don't even know anything about it. And it's so huge, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, it's amazing that as people, we can get, get to that point where something that we need so much uh, dramatically more than pretty much any other physical resource besides air uh you know, where, where people can be so disconnected from it, you know, the water, water, uh, you can boil water, but you won't remove any kind of, uh, you're you're not going to remove any kind of, uh, solutes, solutes in it. Yeah. Anything that's dissolved in the water that is not water, heavy metals just in there, which, which doesn't mean that it doesn't have to be dirt or mud. It can be things that you can't see that are, that are dissolved within the water. Uh, like as, uh, like, like that move with the water, no matter what, and and the best way to uh, get that over in general, most of the most of the time, is with uh, you heat water to its boiling point, right? That would be 100 C, right? You you heat it to its boiling point, and it's going to turn into a gas phase. So if you do that in an open pot, it just goes up in the air, right? So you have to contain it, and uh, and you have to drop it into uh, like a receptacle. <laughs> now, if you're in an emergency situation, there's two ways to do that. That are very easy. Like if you didn't, if you don't prepare anything, and you find yourself in a situation where it's like you're gonna be hurting if you don't have some, you know, potable water that you can drink, and that's not gonna make you sick, and uh, that's very important because people can get dehydrated and they can see water and they can be like, you know, I'm fucking dehydrated. I just need some motherfucking water. I'm gonna take my chances. Now that if you take your chances, you could be okay. If you're not okay, if you get some kind of uh, bug. It's particularly something that causes diarrhea. That's life-threatening. Like you, you will lose lose more water than what you take on, and you will not be able to yeah. replenish it. Particularly if you're having to drink dirty water in the first place. And this caught. This is like, uh, you know, this is a very like in third-world countries. This is like a known, you know, a known danger. Yeah, it's a no. It's a known danger. We, we're not familiar with that here, but Decent it's very theory. real danger. Now, the simplest stills that you can make. The, the simple one, if you don't have anything, if you have something that is uh, doesn't absorb any water, like a piece of plastic, like a plastic sheet that is uh, uh, flexible, the simplest way is if you dig a hole in the ground and if you put the sheet over the top of it, the plastic, like a poncho, a piece of plastic wrap, whatever, the bigger the better, the more surface area the better, and you pour a bunch of water in the hole. And this has to be during the daytime when the sun's out. You put a uh, you put a uh, rock in the center of the piece of plastic that's stretched out over the hole. You have rocks on the on the outskirts of the circle to hold the plastic from falling in falling in that are heavier than the single rock that you put in the center. And then you put a cup or something or a pot in the middle of that, and you're going to evaporate through the sun. You're going to evaporate the water that's in the hole, even when it's in the soil. It doesn't matter. You can pour it directly in the mud, whatever. It's going to evaporate the water, leave all the mud. It's going to hit the top of your plastic. You want the plastic to be clean as clean as you can get it and then where that rock weighs down the plastic it'll look like a point and that's dangling over your pot 
Yeah. Imagine it like you standing in the middle of a trampoline. Yeah. That, you're making a trampoline out of plastic. That I think you're, you're, people might you know, The sides to, of your trampoline are just rocks sitting on the ground holding the plastic, so it doesn't, so you don't rip through the trampoline. And then you're putting a, and you're putting a pot in the middle. Uh, you know, you you, you, <laughs> you want a little bit, little bit of space, right? So the water beads can fall down there, and they're going to drop in there, and you're going to get pure, you're going to get distilled water. And distilled water is what you want to drink. All this stuff about like dope water with different stuff is not true. You want pure water. Distilled water. That is, that is. You, you can't get any more pure for H two O. Yep. Yeah, that, and then uh, another one, another one that you can use with heat that's a is uh, if you still. have a pot with a lid on it. Okay, if it's wide enough, what you can do is you can take something that is uh, heat resistant, like uh, a mason jar or a, a, another metal small cup or like a coffee mug. Right. You put it in the pot. You're gonna flip your lid upside down. You're gonna put it on the pot. The, the lid should have a handle or something, you know, that you t- pick the lid off with. You, when you flip it upside down, it's inverted, and you're going to get a parabola shape, and you'll have a handle, and that handle should be over your coffee mug or whatever. And then you're going to heat the water with whatever, a fire or your stove or whatever, and you're going to evaporate dirty water. Obviously, you don't want the water level inside to be higher than your cup, or else you're going to be drinking dirty water. You want it to be lower, and then you're going to evaporate it, and then it's going to come up and collect on the lid, and it's going to drop down in your cup. That's an expedient way. It's very easy. Most most houses have uh, pots and stuff like that. One thing I will say is one of the best ways to be able to make your fire would be something like a rocket stove. And a rocket stove is basically what they call a Dakota fire pit, where you dig a hole straight down into the earth, and then you dig a hole at a 45 or a level... Uh, angle depending if you're on a hill or on a uh, a, a breach of land uh, to be able to do that to be able to make the most efficient fire for your uh, for what you're doing for cooking for heating uh, this or that and it also does not release as much smoke and does not yeah, give, so what he's uh, describing to visually give you an idea of if you have no idea what flip the sand billowing if you out. imagine the shape of a capital L like in the English language the capital L if you if you turn that lean that capital L back on its uh, on its back, you know, and then imagine g- ground being over it, where each end of the L is a hole poking out of the ground. That's what you're digging. Yep, leaning yeah. back like uh, yeah. we used to do back in uh, not like two thousand, like gripping the fucking wheel as hard as you can, and <laughs> screaming, screaming, screaming in your car, uh, but you're wearing a mask so nobody yeah, can yeah, see no you. Gripping. Just fit in because everybody else is doing that too. <laughs> Why won't this telephone pole move? <laughs> Damn. Hey, it's cozy. All right, I I know you might have yeah. some things. We that want to get to your heart. I want I want the guests the guests to get to taboo. their heart. Uh, throw it in, brother. Yes. Ask anything. Nothing is off limits. Well, I guess. Okay, my underwear are red. If you really <laughs> must know. Well, the important question is after briefs. <laughs> Boxer briefs, Boxer my friend. Brief. They give the perfect amount of support and exactly. cooling. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, I guess the the most important thing is, uh, you know, things. That, uh, there's a lot of people nowadays, especially like the kids who grew up with, uh, let's say, a public education. I think that says all it needs to say. Um, yeah. uh, who are scared to question things? You know, they're scared to question. You know, why? Why is this? Uh, two uh, you know, percent of the population overrepresented in the upper echelon society you know how, how does the group get its power and and where you know what can we yeah. do about it right people are too scared hold on hold on you broke up for me you said something about two percent of the population yeah, you broke, is you were going represented in and out by the majority of the population oh, no. sorry about that i'm i'm saying like you know we keep talking about how uh, specifically like the hebrew population right the jews are extremely overrepresented in upper echelons of society. And the moment you mention that to someone, it, it's like conversation shuts down, right? Right, you're a bad exactly. guy now. And I think, uh, so when I was uh, working this summer, I was listening to one of Dugan's videos where he was talking about, like, even if you say it in a positive way, like, it, even if at work you always talk positively, it's just, even, no matter whether it's positive or negative, uh, even just bringing it up, you know, people will eventually get suspicious of you, right? And it's like that's been so deeply ingrained in society. It's like how how do we come back from that? What, what do you guys think we can do to to reignite the ability to question those who, who basically control us, right? Well, let me let me give a little caveat. I grew up in you know some well-to-do areas, and I lived around. Um, second generation Jewish people. Um, all I can say is first generation Jewish people are just like first generation uh, Muslims. Um, they are more willing to give their shirt off the back of uh, their, their shirt off their back and feed you and help you and look out for you than most Christians that you will ever meet. And I absolutely love everybody, especially if they follow their, their faith to the truest doctrine. There's extremists uh, and everything, but there's something called becoming Americanized. And when you become Americanized is what I've noticed is when people start falling into these, uh, these cliques and these groups where they start using um, their backing and everything that they see to try to one up the next person. Uh, that was my little two cents. Oh I'm yeah, sorry. no, for sure. I don't, I don't mean to, to say that, you know, everyone in this group is evil or anything. No, 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 no. Yes. I, I completely a hundred percent agree. I was just giving my caveat saying, I, I see exactly what you're saying, but I've also seen the other side on two different uh, other groups of the, Christian, Judaism, uh, Muslim, you know, <laughs> Trinity, which they're all three are combined. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those where I see the first generations being the decent human beings and the generations after that, just like in the U.S., they start becoming more corrupt and they start falling into that little clique of cabal. Uh, cabal I'm afraid... Mm -hmm. I'm afraid. Am to I wrong, Dugan? <laughs> am I am I saying it wrong, or am I misinterpreting uh, it? Because I because I don't want to guide you. I don't want to guide you <laughs> in the wrong direction. The ultimate answer is that is that your your site 
your your actual sight that is uninfluenced from externality that it comes from that, that's not even influenced by your by your senses is it should should lead your judgment and that is the that, that would be like from your heart see so your heart should lead your judgment and your uh your judgment should be uh tied to a base of ethic in terms of and this isn't necessarily directly uh you know, solely about Jews. This is just anybody. This is just, this is just the way to live, right? Like the way to live. And a part of that is, a part of that is uh, if you abandon a part of an ethic, it, it should be because you learn that it's wrong, that it's not right. Not because it was hard or because, uh, you know, you found it uh, practically inconvenient such that you, you decide to like no longer uh, follow it. It should be whatever that is. And if, if, if people do that, then we go, we will go where we're supposed to go. Ultimately the, the, uh, now my answer, which is very difficult to, uh, you know, use something like, it's not difficult to use the English language. What's hard to do is to use the, uh, the, the hegemony of, uh, you know, psychological analysis that people, uh, like bring upon themselves into these uh, like packages of, of how they think about things as a status quo, like how, how the, the, the kind of the uh, abstract bubble that you would make of, if you could imagine like, what does everybody at CNN think about this question? Right. Or that question. And then you'd have like a little bubble in your head of like, I think they think this, you know, like, I think they, I think that I should think this because they think that, and that's like a bunch of people, right. That's what makes the language barrier really difficult to describe things like this because they're so different from uh, like everything else. Right. Uh, I will, I will, I will answer this way. I would say, I would say that, that uh, Jews are very, uh, very different from other people. And that is not, that is not a, uh, you know, that is not a uh, racial thing. That is not a, uh, it is something that's probably really difficult to understand, but you can rest assured that it's true. Uh, it's not negative or positive. It just is. And it's uh, manifested in your reality, in your actual reality, uh, no matter who you are. And it's the same for, same for Jews too. And they know that too. And uh, uh, so, you know, if there's a Jew listening to this, they'll understand what I mean. And, uh, it's it's a because of the complex situation between the nations and the Jews uh, and the nation's perspective, like the, the citizens of nations, how they see the world. You have to understand that these are, you know, these are not interchangeable. They're not interchangeable in the sense of, uh, you know, there is there is something that's very, very different going on here. Uh with the Jews. And that's, and that's just the way that it is. And, and I would love to argue with somebody about it. So I could argue specific points to flush out, to flush out like, uh, uh, any objections that someone would have to that, but that's just the truth. And, uh, you know, the, the, the path of, uh, Jews becoming, uh, you know, in control of the nations is a very slow and arduous process that has taken place that has required absolute commitment at a level that people in the nations uh, have never done. 
Okay. So, so what I'm saying is that, is that there's never been a time in human history where another group of people has done this. And that is, that is part of the reason why it is so difficult for people to accept and recognize as it, as it being the case. And uh, it has to be recognized as like truth, you know, it is the truth. And so to deny it, and so to deny it is, uh, you know, you are, you are untruthful yeah. and you are denying what is clearly all around you and plain, plain to see the, um, the way that this has happened has been very slow and very uh, painful for the Jews. And they've been very committed to it. And uh, it's, it's been a very long time, very long time. Um, the primary, the primary, you know, in terms of a practical simplicity, <clears throat> the primary, uh, the primary answer to that would be found in Deuteronomy. Uh, and it would be a passage that goes something like, "Ye shall lend unto the goyim, and uh, you will not borrow. And in this way, you shall come to rule over the goyim, but the goyim will not rule over you. And I'm paraphrasing there. Uh, but that would be that would mm -hmm. be the uh, the sim most simplistic uh, encapsulation to answer that question that I could give, which which would probably be unsatisfactory if we have like urbanite uh, atheists or uh, you know viewers that are unfamiliar with this uh, type of thing to to hear that it's going to cause a lot of uh, difficulty in understanding because they're unwilling to you know it requires a it requires a examination that most people aren't comfortable with. And uh, the fact of the matter is that it wouldn't, you could take all the people in the United States and put them in the Jewish shoes and they wouldn't. I mean, for, for one thing, it, I mean, I, I'm not going to say what somebody's motive would be because I don't know what a person's motive would be if they didn't have a commandment to do it. You know, if they were just doing it out of their uh, like personal interest or whatever, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, I don't know what that would be like, but I can tell you that the nations are not capable of uh, what has been done. And that is, and, and that is plain to see. And that is the reason that the Jews have done it and the nations have, have not. And that there is no historical precedent other than what has happened. And uh, it is so far beyond what, uh, you know, most, most people are not willing to accept this or, or recognize it in the first place. But beyond that, they're, they're, conception of it and recognition is is uh less than reality like they they will see it as um you know not you know not not as significant as it really is it's very significant it's uh doug i i want to bring up this counterpoint right here because basically exactly what you're saying is what the Jewish people have done, which the Muslim doctrine talks about on spreading out, infiltrating and taking over and not being, not meaning it in a harmful way or this or that, but that is what the Quran speaks about. Um, if we were to go another hundred years into the future, do you think it would be, Muslims in the same position that the Jews, because they are uh, doctrinate, uh, in, indoctrinated in their religion 
to be able to do the same exact thing that the Jews have been doing. Uh, and they've ended no. up taking over power of company, uh, financial system, no, it's not possible government, it's not their stuff place. of that nature. If we were to make it another hundred years, you say no? Like a passage? Okay, but you understand what doctrine I'm talking about from the Quran, correct? Yeah, the passage on uh, spreading over the the nations. I, I forget what the exact passage is, but spreading over the world, basically, and uh, slowly taking it over. Right, now, what is the um, question, though? Inner, inner what are you asking greeting, about that? marrying and all this other stuff. Uh I was basically saying, in a hundred years, do you think that uh, Muslim practitioners would be in the same uh, same position that the Jewish people are in? I know they've had thousands of years to be able to do this, but in uh, the book of the Quran, um, I and I, I wish I had my other uh, source to be able to look it up right now. Uh, it does say spread out, spread your seed, and basically start taking over uh, different nations. Uh, and I know I'm saying it out of context, and I'm not trying to be, you know, against the Islam or anybody else. I don't think but that the Muslims it was be basically the along the, Jews, the same lines as and I don't what think that the, the Jews have basically accomplished. But they'll try. Gotcha. Okay. I was just curious on your thought on that. It just popped in my head when you were saying. So the reason why I bring up yeah. that question, you know, is there a peaceful resolution to to what you know to those observations? Is because I've recently been looking into family history, and uh, mm-hmm. it turns out that I come from a long line of rabbi who were pretty in, in different cities in the Middle East, and. Uh, Essentially, culminated did say, in Africa. Did you say your family came? Your family was in Africa. So we, it was, uh, we were in Cairo, and then from Cairo yeah, went to Italy, and then from Italy to Africa, and then from Africa to America. I, I would recommend that you get a Tanakh and read a Tanakh. I have not fully read the Tanakh. No. Yeah, I, I've definitely been wanting to look more into it because I, so I say ethnic, familially, I would be Hebrew, but religious, and so it's just an interesting. Wait, hold on. You broke up. You said ethnically you would be Hebrew, but religiously Christian. you'd be. So that, okay. that's the thing is, it's something that's interesting because I grew up going to synagogue and I grew up attending hebrew school um but for uh my and and my parents by the way are uh, atheists so going from a basically the the nearest school to me that had like good upbringing was uh christian and so that was my uh first introduction to the christian faith and everything and that's that's where i was basically converted but as I find out more and more about family history, it's interesting because it, it's coinciding with this escalating uh, world tension, you could say. And so, you know, 
with the discussion here, it's pretty clear that, you know, bad things are going to happen to Jews. And it's what I'm trying to find is a peaceful resolution because, you you know, yes. you can't have a peaceful the, the, resolution without the, acknowledging the, the, the resolution, you, know, you could of say the problem. And truth. so I'm trying to a way. And, and, uh, and if you're meant to be killed and destroyed, then you'll be killed and destroyed. Yeah. And there's nothing there, there's there's nothing that you can do about that. What you can do, the only thing that you can do is you could you could face uh, you know a life that is uh, that is uh, untried, and you could uh, you could you could try less than 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 you possibly could, and then you could uh, you know find out what the level of uh, satisfaction, whatever whatever metric that would be, what that would look like, or you can try to the best of your ability uh, to live your life, and that's and that's really it because there's no there's no you know, the entire world is going to go through, you know, a bad time. It's not just going to be the Jews. It's going to be everybody. The Jews are, the Jews are going to get it pretty hard. And, uh, yeah. you know, if, if, uh, yeah. if, uh, sorry, I just got a text message. So the, the Jews are going to get it pretty hard. And, uh, the only reason who the fuck is opening a door? Who the fuck is that? Opening a door. Yes. That. The beeping. That, yeah, I hear. That I was, was trying, me. I was trying to think I, of something important of to say, but all I could think of was beep, beep, something. beep. I just got back to my car. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, you know what? Honestly. Throughout most of this uh, podcast, is that I me? Kept on hearing, Do I sound like, like a computer? It sounded like a computer in the background going. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah, I hear. I hear that. <laughs> no, no, no! In the background, it's, it's probably someone's me, voice. I, you were hearing what sounded sound. like uh, probably. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I would say this. I would say I would say that I would say that. You know, the the, the Tanakh is pretty underrated. I would I would read a Tanakh in terms of the in terms of the, you know, the nation's uh, perspective of Jews. It's it's you know like the entire way that this happened is by people uh, making the assumption out of absolute weakness and uh, not weakness like a weakness of like I'm unwilling to destroy things or something like that. That's not that's not strength. I mean the weakness of, of acknowledging truth and, and by uh, shying away from it. That's how the nations got here. The nations got here by being weak, by uh, being too afraid, too, uh, too, too intimidated and afraid, and uh, too yielding to the, uh, you know, just, just living life in the opposite direction of what would be beneficial for them and will be beneficial for the nation without without consideration of those things like without consideration of the next generation things like that because they've because they've done that it it that is what is allowed the you know that is what has precipitated this current situation and so you know it, the future of humanity necessitates that we all kill each other or people need to start living truthfully and uh, that is very difficult to do when you're using an international monetary system because it's not truthful. It is dishonest. And, and so that is the primary uh, 
the primary, you know, hinge point of humanity's uh, uh, degree of suffering from here on out is is the length of time that it takes them to realize that money is fake, that it is not only fake in terms of its practical mechanic as a uh, technology, it's fake in terms of its actual, you know, what, what it actually is, like what it, what it actually, how it actually exists, where it, where it straddles abstraction into physicality and pulls and bends between both of them. And the, the level of uh, ethic and foundation that a person has is the only thing that can, you know, hold them back from the effect of that. And, and if, if, you know, most people are not, you know, the further that we go down this road, the, the more people that will swallow up. And, uh, it's, it's obvious as the, you know, the effect, like the effect is obvious. We we're, we're just accelerating and conflict accelerating and, um, you know, change that is taking place and it's not uh you know a lot of it is destroying things like nations are being destroyed um families are being destroyed people's minds are being destroyed they're not being turned into a into a direction where they can be the true potential of their of their beings they're being uh castrated and uh decapitated to be human batteries and this is not you know this is not the purpose of humanity I completely agree. You know what? I think we're really close to the end right here. Um, and I thank everybody for their time, but I'm going to put Pro- this one probably last not. thing that could end up uh, lasting a half an hour more or not. Mr. Cozy, <laughs> do you... Okay. Mr. Cozy, do you have any final rebuttals, remarks, or anything that you want to uh, to put out there or any differing viewpoints that you want to bring out? Uh, I just want to let anyone who's, like, in my age group know that, uh, you know, you don't need to be uh, uh, in a salaried position or, you know, you don't need to have all your preps done right now. Uh, you know, just start small. Start with, like, water some basic clothes, you know what I mean? Like, as in, like, work clothes, some shoes. Just start getting things ready to allow you to be able to exfil if you're in a city or uh, hunker down if you're maybe in, like, suburbs or somewhere where that might be tenable. But just get some, like, basic stuff done because worrying about not knowing what to do now and therefore doing nothing is a hell of a lot worse than having something and not everything you need. I agree. All right. I so think, I think, I think the only is, the only uh, thing that I would add to Dugan, that is do you that have anything if, to you know, add to I think that, that everything uh, that we're talking about is really pretty important. cut and dry. And people people the, the ideal is to is to live in, you know, to be able to live for yourself, to not be dependent so that you can't be turned in a way that you don't want to live. But to be turned to be to 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 work away from the, being vulnerable to being turned in a, in the wrong direction. You have to know what direction you're going. So the the, the only thing that I would say add to it is that, like uh, the, the uh, you know the uh, your prepping your prepping has to be there. There's a purpose, right? So there's a purpose of why you're living. You're not just living 
just to you know be a zombie for one more day. This is this is something where you're actualizing your your true being. You're you're like why why you're alive? Why you're here? And it's such a short time. And a lot, you know you 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 may not figure that out right now, but it's something where if you start to think about it, then maybe you can find it. You know, and maybe maybe the direction of living within your within your means and being directly connected to the yeah. way that you live will help you learn something about you know why you're here and and the the entire experience will will unfold for you absolutely i like that all right, Mr. Cozy. Hey, uh, Doug, I, I'm going to give you one quick uh, call right after, real short. But, uh, Mr. Cozy, we give all of our guests the opportunity to be able to name the podcast. I know you're on the spot. I told you beforehand. After everything that you heard, what's something uh, funny that you can incorporate a couple different things into? For like a, for a name? For uh, a name, yes, sir. You got the honors. I'm in uni and I'm worried about classes next semester and everything. How about uh, uh, Independence uh, 101 with Professor Ashley? Um, sure. How, how would you I name like Professor that. Dark? Dugan, what say ye? Just so my name's not on there. Or with yourself, one, one, 101 with yourself. Uh, <laughs> Professor Dark is okay. Nothing, right, just no just gosh. fucking mash the keys. Hold on. Okay, say that one more time. So, <laughs> No, not you, Dugan. I'm asking Cozy. Say that one more time, and I'm going to say instead of uh, perse- uh, Professor Dugan, I'm going to say with your uh, Professor yourself. Independence 101 with Professor yourself. Huh. Okay. All right. That's, That's going to be the, uh, the name to this. All right. Hey, Doug, I'm going to give you a call right after this. Uh, just uh, five minutes of your sure, time sure. right quick. I think uh, you might be interested in uh, the future guest, and I want to make sure you're okay with them. All right, Cozy. Yeah, thank you fun, so much, Dark. Thank, thank, you, thank you, And Dugan, as always, it's been an honor. Hey, Thanks, man. Hey, could, could you include me on that call? Bye-bye. Like?